welcome to another episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. I hope you're all doing okay and having a solid start to your week. It feels like as the world inches closer to reopening, things are picking up and getting busier and more hectic, so I hope you're all taking moments of peace for yourself and... I'm really excited to see more friends as we all get a little safer, but of course, staying patient in the meantime, though the countdown is on as far as I'm concerned, now that I've had vaccine one. Can't wait for vaccine two in the weeks after that it like kicks in, you know? (laughs) Um, In the meantime, I am totally absorbing music from this week's guest to keep that energy going. I'm joined by pod alum, Early Riser. Kiri and Nicole joined this time to catch up and talk about their brand new album, Vocations. The record is still true to Early Riser's style, which can both feel like listening to a rainbow while exploring meaningful themes of growth and living in the present. It's a powerful blend that captures so much of a personal journey while also making an impact on our own as listeners. Carrie and Nicole joined this week to talk about writing and recording the new record, creating the album covered art together, their intentions on vocations, and so much more. So with that, let's hear some more of Early Riser, and then we'll hear from Kiri and Nicole. Well, welcome Early Riser to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion, or I should say welcome back. <laughs> How are Yay. y'all doing? <laughs> We're doing well, thank you. Excited oh, to be back. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, Carrie is returning, but we have Nicole this time joining us as well. So welcome, Nicole. This is your first time on the pod. <laughs> thank you. This is my first time on any pod. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for letting me be your first. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Um, usually whenever I have people on for the first time, I kind of ask them a little bit about their background in music and such. Carrie's already answered those kind of questions for me, but Nicole, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you first get into music and how did you find yourself an early riser? Music, I think a long story and with a lot of, um, my parents were super supportive when I was younger. I got into pop punk and punk music when I was in middle school and 
my mom had like an old classical guitar in the basement that I started using and I had a guitar teacher coming to our house every week and I hated playing the classical guitar because I just wanted like an electric guitar but um did that for a while switched to bass eventually took lessons all through middle school um maybe some of high school again I just my parents were super supportive that this was a hobby of mine um when I was in high school I had a boyfriend who played in a band and he allowed me to play bass for them when their bassist was not available for shows, which was like <laughs> my first um, time playing like real shows. And then I stopped playing for a while. When I was living in Boston, um, I attended Ladies Rock Camp, which is a fundraiser hosted by Girls Rock Campaign Boston. And that's kind of what kicked me off as like a musician in my adulthood. And um, I moved to New York five years ago now. and. Um, I'm in the Fest Friends Facebook group, and I posted that I wanted to get together with a band since I was in New York, and um, not not too much came of that, but then a few months later, maybe even a year later, my friend Jan um, tagged me in a post, I think that Curie or Heidi had posted that they were looking for a bassist for their upcoming tour, and um, kind of the rest is history. We met up at a show that week and liked each other and went for it. Carrie, what was it like for you to kind of like meet Nicole and start to build up that relationship as a bandmate? It was very cool. I mean, we had a lot of mutual friends, so it's just super natural. Like we all went to a local show that all of our mutual friends were at anyway. And we would just be hanging out on a normal at an, on a normal night at like uh, much more as I think it was one of mm-hmm. our good Brooklyn DIY spots. And uh, yeah, it's always fun, like getting to play with new people. Um, I always wanted another voice in the band, like another vocalist. And now we actually have four, but it's really cool to have three women singing in the band in particular. That's not something that I almost ever get to see um, in other bands and to be able to do like three part harmonies and stuff and um, things like that on the new record was really, really cool. I love that. That was something that stood out to me. The fact that you were able to get kind of more vocals in there that um, I can hear all of you, which is really exciting and fun. What was it like for you to kind of do that? Because that's very different than what you had initially with your first record. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was such a more collaborative process. Like for the first record, Heidi and I were looking for a band and looking for a band and we just couldn't get a lineup together. And init- and eventually we were just like, OK, let's just make a record with whoever is going to go in the studio with us. Um, but we did always want to have a permanent lineup. So to, to get that together and actually be able to write the new record with, um, Nicole and Mikey and draw on everyone's ideas and everyone's strengths was, um, ideal and it was great. I love that. Um, you know, the last time that we did get to kind of talk in depth about your music, that was when Currents came out. Um, I'm kind of curious, how do you feel like you have grown as like musicians or as a band in that time from writing Currents to now working on Vacation? Uh, well, I always think of Currents as kind of like a backward looking record. Those were songs that I had written over a long period of years and they were kind of looking more on the past in this kind of moment of moving forward and moving on from a lot of things. And uh, I think Vocations is more forward looking or at least present focused to sort of mm-hmm. like what are a lot of the issues that I'm facing and that other people face in their lives in being an artist and making decisions about what's important to you and what you want to spend your time and energy on. Um, so that was cool to just be very present with those things and share those themes with the band as I wrote them. And as I said, just have like a more collaborative process of writing it together. Yeah, it definitely shows. Cause like, if anything, um, I, I, I feel like it, the collaboration aspect is something that's very prominent within the music I've always talked about how like with early riser, it's like you could feel like each instrument has its own voice and um, each of you. Now I can hear your all voices literally together in that sense, along with that. But I thought it was really cool because, um, you know, listening to corner that opening baseline stuff, I felt like that was kind of like Nicole's moment to kind of shine there and stuff because it was just so strong. So hearing that you have that there, what was it like for you to kind of inject that into a song and really have your moment? I'm sorry, I lost you again for a second. Okay, sorry, you froze for again, you froze again for a second. Um, But Corners was super fun to play. That was actually a baseline that Curie had written like years ago, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah sometimes so I still do bring in songs that are that I wrote a while ago, and I don't. Yeah, I think I think I had envisioned that as a baseline. A lot of my things that I've written in the past, I either like wanted on cello or wanted on bass. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I bring those in, and then there are other ones where I know Nicole wrote like the bass intro to the songs, um, like "Drop the Torch," I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That one too. And Blood on canvas. <sighs> yeah, it was really fun to work through the bass lines um, with currents. I was playing what was written on the album, which was great, but it was a, a really a different opportunity to be able to like write some some stuff that that went with the songs. I love that. Um, were there any artists or creators that really helped kind of inspire or motivate your writing as you're putting together vacations? There was that one time that we were talking about writing the intro to drop the torch and we put on some pop punk. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Um, we listened to like all the punk rock based intros, um, namely Pennywise and lots of other bands <laughs> that, that maybe we wouldn't have been looking to for inspiration otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, otherwise it's, it's always pretty natural, right? Like I've always felt in any band I'm in, I just write the songs that I write. I've never been someone who has either the interest or the ability to like replicate other band sounds. What I write comes out obviously is influenced by a combination of things that I know and like and have listened to, but I'm just so much more interested in bringing in a song and then having everyone just bring in, you know, their ideas and influences and have it come together more organically than being like, we want to be this meets this or this specific whatever. I love that you do that. Um, I kind of want to hear about how vocations kind of came together as a record. what was that process like for you all? Well, the writing was really different for me. Um, it was the first time that I was like, okay, I'm writing a record rather than I'm just like someone who's been writing songs since I was 17 or whatever. And I have a bunch of them. And at some point they'll become a record. You know, it was such a big personal milestone for me to put out currents. And after having been in various other bands, like to finally have a record of my songs, but then it was done. And then it was actually time to write a record. So that was really my first experience of like going to the practice space every week at the same time, like having writing sessions and like intentionally writing a record um, and then bringing that, those songs to the band once I finished that process. I love that. And um, you talked earlier about how this record in particular, it's kind of framed more so of thinking in the present and what's being experienced immediately and such. Um, Was that something that you were thinking about as you were writing each song? Was it like an intentional theme or was it something that just kind of came as you started kind of writing? I mean, I think that I tend to write things that are happening currently, but the other records, some of the songs I had written so many years ago that by Mm -hmm. the time I put them out, it was just about the past, you know, a song Mm -hmm. about like my best friend from high school. Like that's a long time ago. And like a lot of past things that I had written at the time and just collected these songs over the years. I've written, you know, hundreds of songs I've never done anything with. And Mm -hmm. those were kind of like my personal greatest hits that also kind of fit together thematically at the time. Um, and then it was really good to kind of put those to bed and then be like, what do I want to say now? What am I going through now? What do I need to process now that isn't about the past, but about like what I'm experiencing, especially now that I'm out there, like doing what I wanted to do now that I am a more active musician leading a band, like I always wanted to do, like what is coming up around that, you know, what are experiences that I've had that maybe other people would want to hear about and they would relate to as well. I really love that. Um, So once you've kind of got that kind of skeleton, that basic structure of what you want to do, maybe um, Nicole can talk about this, about maybe what it's like whenever that's kind of brought to you when you all start to kind of shape and mold it as a full band at that point. Yeah. So um, Kiri would usually come to the practice space. We we had practice every week and, um, and she would play us a new song, or maybe sometimes you would like send us recordings beforehand, but um, we did this kind of one song at a time there. I think Skeleton was the first song that we restarted playing a lot and then started playing it live before the others. Um, so she would bring that structure um, to the practice space and we'd all, it, I can't even like kind of remember exactly how it came together, but um, we just run through it a bunch of times for me on bass, starting out with root notes and then seeing what else kind of fit in there. Um, Mikey on drums, just like finding the beat and the perfect 
um, stuff as usual. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just, I feel like they all came together kind of one by one. Yeah. Like for the first record. And I think sort of, as we first started working on this record, Heidi and I would write together first and we'd lay down the harmonies and some of the cello and stuff. But as we got deeper into this record, we would all just come in at the same time. And, or like, uh, the time that I remember working, we talked about when Nicole and I were listening to pop punk and like working on the baseline, we were the only ones there for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So it was cool to have experiences where um, we could just experiment with like, which of us were working together or like which approach we were taking first, because um, it doesn't always make sense to start with like the same instrument, you know, mm -hmm. like often you need to lay down the rhythm and figure out like, cause the cello functions more like a lead guitar. So sometimes, you know, in any band, like the riff will come first and sometimes the rhythm comes first and then the riff comes later. So it's cool to have those experiences of just seeing what feels right to build up for each song. I love that. Cause you kind of let the intuition and the spirit of the song ultimately guide like the structure musically at that point. Yeah. And there definitely was, so I feel like there was a lot of freedom because we played the songs quite a bit before we recorded them and we played them live quite a bit. So we could kind of just keep trying new things and mm -hmm. seeing what fit. And we would record like every night, I feel like we would record like our full set or, or our individual songs as demos. So I could like go home and listen to them and, you know, see what else could work. And yeah, so it was just a lot of iteration. I love that. I love that you're able to do that musically. And then, um, before we hopped on, we talked a little bit about how um, y'all actually collaborated for the visuals for this record too, with the album cover. Um, tell me about what it was like working on that. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the weird outcomes of the pandemic that we were gonna put out the record last spring. And that was like the last thing that we were trying to figure out before the release was the art. And we weren't quite sure what we wanted to do. And then the pandemic hit and our label told us they were gonna put all releases on hold for several months and um, run a Patreon to raise some money for the bands, but not put out any records. Um, so that just gave us all this time to sort of <laughs> sit on this question of like, what do we want to express? And I had always wanted to do the artwork for one of my records, but I didn't think I was a legit enough artist. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, if I tell the band I want to do this, they're going to be like, oh, no, you don't know what you're doing. You're not good enough. So I just didn't think that that was an option. Um, but I started watercolor painting in quarantine as, you know, we all picked up hobbies and that was kind of what I started doing. And I didn't take classes or anything. I did some tutorials on YouTube of like sunsets, but I just really followed what I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And that kind of led to uh, a theme that I came up with around like the signposts pointing in different directions um, mm -hmm. that informed idea for the record. And I finally was willing to show it to the band on like text one day and be like, do you guys like this? And they were like, oh, that's really cool. Like, let's, let's do it. Let's go with it. Um, and Nicole's a professional designer. So I was like, hey, do you want to do the design and layout for this? And she was down. So that was really, really cool to be able to just like keep it within the band. And um, I just, I don't know. It's like, if you've got the skills, I think it's the coolest way to really like use like your own vision, you know, mm -hmm. with outside artists, you have to be super on the same page with them, or you have to just like be willing to let someone else's vision be the visual for your record. And that's, it's hard for me to, to give that up because I do have such a specific vision for what I want to express with the songs. I love that. Cause I feel like your album cover in particular, it does say so much of that. It's kind of like that crossroad feeling in the moment that you kind of convey there visually in the sense of like the signpost, right? And I like the it, the idea of like the colors kind of like fading into each other a little bit with the watercolor because to me that feels just so emotionally resonant with what you're trying to kind of say within this record too, the changing states and such, right? And what you're experiencing in that moment. So it's beautifully done. And I love that you got to kind of bring in Nicole's kind of design skills too. Yeah, that was fun. It, my, my job was fairly simple on this. I love that um, Carrie's artwork is really the centerpiece of this. And then um, had to open up Photoshop for the first time in many years and just get all the layouts together, a little bit of typesetting and um, yeah, really happy with how it turned out. Yeah, I can imagine so. Cause then you're really putting out what the record means to all of you in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, um, I really want to dig into kind of some of the things that I spotted within this record that were just 
stunning. I listened to it nonstop for days. It was so great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> of course. Um, I love that it's kind of described as like this record about um, being in the present, but also like that idea of like the self-acceptance and trying to determine like what's most important to you and such. Um, can you talk about like a little bit of that intention that you may have set with the record? It's hard to know if it's ever an intention. I think it's sometimes like retrospective, like mm -hmm. on both of the records, you know, I, I, I just have certain things that I like to write about out of all the things that I think about and involved in, in the world, there are some that I don't bring into music, like politics. Like I may be involved in politics, but I'm just not someone who really writes about it musically. That's just not something I really know how to do or, or gravitate towards. You know, there's just like certain aspects of my experience and sort of just making sense of like my experience in the world and with others, um, not even just like individual relationships, but kind of like socially, like where do I fit? What am I experiencing um, and processing that? So that sort of lends itself to themes coming up. Yeah, I love that because um, I feel like there are moments where, and I feel like this is the case for a lot of people, kind of like just your personal, who you are, your identity and stuff that can sometimes lend to the political in a sense of like, you know, just being yourself is sometimes can be a political act and talking about things that are universal or relatable. Like I think about the narrator in particular, the idea of kind of like centered on seeing yourself in music and uplifting marginalized voices. It's like, to me, that's not a political thing. That's a humanity thing. It's actually treating people like people, but some people do see that somehow as political, which I think is bonkers um, but I to me I felt like that was such a really great statement in trying to kind of like I'm sure as you personally trying to connect to music and art that maybe doesn't always 100 feel feel 100 like it's you right um the idea of like listening to music where women are the villains and stuff and that, to me that was so interesting to hear you kind of unpack lyrically in your music thank you yeah I know that's something Nicole and I have talked about a lot as um, you know, people who grew up on pop punk and emo when we were younger. And um, yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about that, Nicole. I know we've had those conversations about the things that we internalized from listening to misogynistic lyrics and stuff like that. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's just crazy to me thinking about the songs that I used to like blast from my car when I was driving to high school and singing along, um, even like middle school, the stuff I would listen to. And I really internalized that. And I was like, oh, I don't like Paramore. I don't like girl singers. Like that was, that was the role that I played. And like, um, yeah, I, that wasn't fun. That wasn't good. And then, you know, growing up and realizing that and realizing how this music really, um, how, how we weren't represented and a lot of people still aren't represented. And um, yeah, I love that song for those reasons. Absolutely. And I love that the like kind of among the concluding messages within it, the idea of normalize being yourself and let go of the noise that stands in the way. To me, that's so powerful because it's like, yeah, let's stop paying attention to the voices that kind of can be a bit toxic or that we can't fully relate to. And let's pay attention to the ones that, you know, either embrace you or are representative of you and just kind of okay, whatever, they'll do what they're doing, I suppose, over there. <laughs> but like, let's let's celebrate the things that make us feel represented and seen. I thought that was so powerful. Thank you. Yeah, I like how you put it because it shows that it is like an inside and outside job, right? It's like you choose what you listen to, what other voices you want to lift up, but then you also have to make the choice to be yourself and express what you want to express, especially if it's not what other people are doing, right? Because there's a lot of people in music who do make a choice to do things that are similar to other things they like and similar to other things that are popular. Mm -hmm. And that often does well, but it can be a scarier choice to be like, hey, well, I'm really interested in something else. I don't know if anyone's going to like it, um, but I'm just going to do it. And then that's often the best music, right? Where mm -hmm. someone is really just offering up themselves and their unique perspective and they may not know if it's going to connect with anyone but it usually does right um mm -hmm. usually someone else who has um had similar experiences because we're all humans and we share commonalities and what we experience um so i think that's just so awesome and i want to see more and more of that 
Well, I love that you're a band that I started listening to early on enough to where it was like, yep, that's exactly what I'm going for. That's what I want to feel. And you're one of those examples to me of just being honest with yourself and like what you want to create. And that's something that is unique and gorgeous and very needed. (laughs) Thank you. Speaking of the whole idea of being honest with yourself, that's what I love about the opening title track vocations, because I feel like it analyzes that present state, perhaps that moment of like stagnancy and trying to kind of get going creatively. What do you want to do with your life for the next 24 hours? I love that because it kind of forces the listener to kind of like think more so in a sense of like, what am I doing with my present moment and who I am? Um, And it feels like a conversation you might have with yourself right before like a life change and such. Um, Can you talk about that song and what it might mean to you? Yeah. I mean, for me, that really came out of the frustration. You know, the first lyric is, what do you do? And this is what do you really do? Because, uh, you know, it's such an ingrained American custom. I've heard it's not a custom in all other countries, but here it is, you know, say what do you Mm -hmm. do and it means your work. And, you know, for so many of us in the arts, we have day jobs and we don't make a living off of what we actually care about. Um, And so I, I love being in like musical spaces, for example, because when you talk to other people about what they do, like you're not asking them what their day job is, you're asking what their passion is Mm -hmm. and what they're working on and what they're excited about. And that's what I want to be a part of, you know? Um, And that like, I think it's hard sometimes to remember exactly where I was in my head when I was writing it, but I think it kind of came out of like, okay, I have a day job. I have to spend a lot of time on it. Um, But I, yeah, I don't have to be defined by that. Right. Like I, um, I can define my life by what I want to put energy into and I can do that every single day. Um, like if I am committed to being a musician, then I can do something every single day that furthers me in being a musician. And I, I started this, um, uh, accomplishments notebook. I did it like a few years ago. I have these rainbow jelly pens and every day I, I, in a different color, I write down like one creative accomplishment that I had for that day. And, um, I don't always have one and I include other stuff. Like if I watch a movie or if I exercise or whatever, um, but it just makes me feel really good. And now I have like four or five years of records of like every month and every year, what I have accomplished. And, uh, that feels really cool. And like, true to the song that it really is just like one day at a time making those choices of, am I going to go on Instagram for three hours or am I going to like, you know, do a watercolor tutorial for 10 minutes? Like it's crazy how little time some of these things take that end up just feeling like a really good use of time and helping direct what else you want to do with yourself. I love that. I love that you have this within a song, but then you also just shared with me right now, like the things that you do to kind of like progress in that area. And that's so special. Thank you. Yeah. I just thought of that and how that's like connected, but obviously I wrote it because that is like a way that I kind of always try, try to live, I guess. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, Nicole, what was it like for you to kind of bring that concept to life as a, as a bandmate and stuff, trying to kind of shape that vision? Because to me, that video, the video and the music just feel just as colorful as what Carrie's kind of describing, actually. Yeah. um, Yeah. The idea of like color, colorful gel pens in a notebook is really, um, I feel like is that whole vibe. Um, That song was super fun. It's like short, it's punchy. We all sing like throughout the song. I, I don't fully remember exactly what that was like coming together, but I, once we got it down, that was the song that we started opening shows with. And of course now that's the opener on the record and um, it just feels so good to play. I love that. And the video to me, cause that came out with the single and such, I felt like a moment of, of escape to space within your space. What was it like for you to actually film and put all that together? Yeah, it was great. We worked with um, Jess Lane out in LA, but we are here in New York. So did everything over Zoom. Um, We each had a day booked with her where um, she directed us over Zoom. We had like, I don't know, tripods and ring lights and everything we needed. And um, it was super fun. It was so nice to have something creative and interesting to do. I do not have um, the same creative motivation that Kiri has. I wish that I did, but I this quarantine has definitely like 
been more watching TV and going on Instagram than than doing artwork. Um, although I try and I will continue to try, but um, it was just really fun to have a day to like really be creative and active. I love that. I feel like um, kind of to your point, Carrie always has the most like colorful and energetic things that she puts into art. So I was always excited to see yeah. the clips of her within the video too. <laughs> Yeah. Always got to bring out the rainbow wig. It's funny. Like I, I pursued comedy for a few years and I made a web series with some friends a few years ago where we were pop stars and we each got to create our pop star persona. And mine was named Kiki and she was dressed basically exactly as I was in the video, though that was my wig and my dress from <laughs> um, when I did the web series. And uh, you know, that creating that character a few years ago was really something that gave me permission to, just kind of be more of myself. When I was a kid, I always wore like a ton of rainbows and I would get made fun of and like people thought it was so weird. <laughs> and so I would suppress that. But then once I got to play that character, I was like, this is what I like. I'm just going to wear whatever I want and be my like rainbow self. And that's when I bought my teal glasses because I had like black cat eye glasses, but I bought teal ones for the character. And then I never stopped wearing them. And now I only wear my teal, my purple glasses. So <laughs> it was kind of cool to bring back that character in the, uh, in the video because it's sort of about, you know, what do you want to be? And that's what my astronaut uh, becomes. But it's like also just like another side of myself. I love that. Yeah. It was super fun to like brainstorm what we all were going to do for it and um, like what roles we were all going to play. Mine was like from the get go, I think um, Jess had used this in like every um, idea for the video was me learning TikTok dances because I requested um, to learn TikTok dances for this video. <laughs> um, so that was really simple, but it was really fun to like brainstorm everything else around that. Oh, that's so much fun. I'm glad you got to have that kind of experience and be able to be just really creative with each of kind of the areas that you wanted to explore personally. Yeah. Yeah. That was super fun. We're really, really lucky because we had had our eye on Jess for a long time to make a video together and then she moved to LA and the fact that it just worked out to do this remotely uh, was really, really cool. Oh, I love that. And I love how you talked about kind of like the idea of like showing your character and the things that, you, that make you happy and excited, like the whole rainbow and stuff, because I feel like you have a couple of moments within the record where you talk about that too, like um, the wallflower and red lipstick and such, who I, I, I understand completely that experience. And it was so incredible to hear you kind of just reveal, not just your past self and your experiences through your music, but also to be able to kind of look back on that and see how you've embraced that person within that song. And I thought that was so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Like I think the wallflower and red lipstick line is something that I wrote years ago, but in a song that was kind of a lot more insecure and almost mm -hmm. kind of like down on myself because it is really hard and vulnerable when you decide to be yourself, but then being yourself is something that's visible mm -hmm. and you weren't necessarily doing it because you wanted people to look at you or pay attention to you or comment on it, which they do when you look visible, but it was just what made me feel authentic. So I thought that was a really special thing to be able to write a song about. Cause I think that a lot of people in punk uh, can relate to that. hundred mm -hmm. percent. The whole idea of trying to kind of like conform within a supposedly into like unique space. Right. And then really owning who you are and presenting who you are and just kind of not caring what other people think. I think a lot of people struggle to reach that point in life. I personally had that moment a couple of months ago where I said pretty much like F this noise, I'm going to be a big nerd on the internet and people are just going to have to deal with it. Cause that's how I am in real life. And like, you know, just embracing the fact that like, not everybody's going to love the fact that I'm a big nerd and I, not everybody's going to be cool with that, but that's fine. I am who I am. So have fun with that, I guess, or not. <laughs> and that song to me was just so empowering and validating for the train of thought that I personally went through on that journey, you know? I love that. <laughs> um I think that's probably what I love most about your music it's just it's so much what I and I feel like so many people can connect to um even with especially with probably 
the idea of like blood on the canvas, that song where it's kind of like acknowledging, in my opinion, like the experience of being an artist, the facets of that identity and giving so much to it and kind of, um, you know, just embracing the different things that come with it. Some days you're a fighter, some days you're just trying to create and such. And I thought that was such a beautiful way to articulate that. Can you talk a little bit about that song? Yeah, that song is really special to me because I've been trying to write a song called Blood on Canvas for like ever, like almost as long as I've been writing songs. I had that idea when I was in college and very angsty. And it was originally like when I was in college, I was really into like critiquing emo in my music (laughs) that like I was trying to find my space within the scene that, as we mentioned, was very misogynistic and like I just didn't really see myself in it. So I would write these little like snide like critiques of it in my songs. that like basically all these guys were just like oh yeah i'm just like i'll just like bleed for you and you'll bleed for me and we love each other and we're so dramatic and i was like oh this is so stupid so that's originally <laughs> like podcast is supposed to be like my like uh you know rise skewering of like melodramatic emo boys but i just really loved that um phrase and i just saved it mm-hmm. uh and i wrote other songs with that title as well and then uh Fun fact, a few years ago, I got really into mixed martial arts and I had this like one, probably like week where I was like, our next record is going to be an MMA concept album, (laughs) which I'm sure the band is probably really happy that I abandoned. (laughs) However, that is when um, the blood on canvas art metaphor mixed with the blood on the canvas fighting metaphor, because when you watch MMA, people really love it when there's like a really crazy fight where Mm -hmm. the two guys or the two girls are just like going at each other like full on and then there's like actual blood it's gross but like (laughs) if if there is a fight where there's like blood everywhere that means that they were both like going for it um so I I don't know I made that connection in my head of like oh how cool would that be to connect it Uh um because if that both of those ideas, if you're just like giving everything to your art or giving everything to the fight, you both you like both times you end up with blood on the canvas. And so that was like a really rewarding connection, like many, many, many years in the making as a songwriter that I was really excited to get to bring to life. I love how it's evolved, honestly. <laughs> From emo angst to literal <laughs> fighting. <laughs> somewhere in the middle (laughs) but also like very personal and vulnerable because I think when you're trying to be a creative whether it's as your career or um, some other area where you're pursuing it with your passion and stuff there's a lot of give and a lot of take and a lot of emotion that goes through that and sometimes you feel like you're fighting your way through your creativity so I love the way that you just kind of um, painted that for all of us. Thank you. Yeah. And like, in addition to bringing all those ideas together for me, it was really just like my kind of mantra, right? Cause there's a lot of stuff on the record about like, like idolizing people and like being jealous of other people's success and just all this like noise mm-hmm. that kind of gets in the way of what we want to do. And I needed to write blood on canvas for myself, partially as like a statement. That's like, even if no one listens, even if no one cares what I'm doing, like I have to do this. Like, that's why I say like, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do this if I didn't need to. Um, and yeah, I like that. I, I always feel really, really good playing that song because it just like pumps me up. I love that because it's for you as much as it is for us. And it's, it's literally said throughout the song in that way. But also, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that with us because now I feel like a lot of people can now kind of take that as their mantra too and their thing that they hold on to. Um, so we talked about several songs that I really love on the record, but I'm curious, um, do each of you have a favorite song that you loved working on or might be your favorite child? I, um, I think my favorite song is Pleasantries. I think it's between Pleasantries or Narrator. Um, it was just, it's just super fun. I don't even have like that much more to say about it than that. Um, both Pleasantries and Narrator. Pleasantries, I don't even really remember what the, like, writing process of that was for the band but um we all loved the key change that we were all super excited about um and yeah I don't know I just I love listening to that one I love it too (laughs) it's so fast yeah it's our fast emo punk jam and the the key change that was always like a bucket list thing for me to have a a key change sing-along so I'm glad everyone was on board with that (laughs) that's awesome 
Carrie, do you have a favorite? I don't know. I mean, we were just talking about Blood on Canvas and I, um, yeah, I, I feel really good about that invocations being like the bookends to the album mm -hmm. that between those, those are kind of like my little, uh, little artist statements that can pump me up and hopefully uh, pump up other people too. Um, yeah, I like that they're just very positive and yeah, just affirming like, you know, why we do this and, mm -hmm. and that we're going to keep doing it. Oh, that's a pattern now with your records, that strong opening and closing for your records that are really, really just synthesizing everything that you're saying within that record in a way that's just so meaningful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it makes me really happy. I mean, I always, like, I always wanted to make records and it just took me so long just on my path and playing in various bands and stuff to really get to this point. But yeah, that's what I always wanted to do, like make really thematic records that people could have like a really clear takeaway from. I love yeah, that. And I think even when we were when we were sequencing the record, I think the first and last songs were chosen from the get go. Carrie, mm -hmm. right? I feel like that was cemented. And then we kind of played with like how to sequence um, some of the songs in the middle. Yeah, I don't think it was ever a question. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, so and that's how it was with the last record too. Like when mm -hmm. I wrote Currents, it was definitely going to be the last song. And then with this, it was, it was super clear too. That's so neat. I love that you do that. Um, I know you talked about having themes in your records and such, but like maybe what's something you really want your listeners to get out of vocations? It's been a really rough year. So if it makes anyone feel good, then I would love that. <laughs> like, I, I feel really happy that we're bringing a positive record out into the world at a moment when things are looking a little more positive, still obviously really bad and really tough in a lot of ways. But, you know, like with the sun coming out literally and figuratively and, um, you know, people starting to feel some more hope and thinking about what the future is going to look like, that if we can add any positivity and optimism into that moment, um, that would make me happy. Yeah. I think the way that I now describe that record is like having a rainbow in my ears. Aww. <laughs> That's awesome. That makes me so happy. <laughs> it's true though. Like, I mean, I listened to that record a lot when I walked my dogs and like, it was always sunny listening to that record. So I think you were just putting that positive energy into like my routine for the day. Whenever I was like studying up on the record, I was just like, this is good. This is a good feeling. I like this. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Um, so Carrie, since you've answered, I believe the infamous three bands question, I've got a different one for you since you're a returning guest. Um, so I'm going to ask you to pick a song off your new record for your favorite fictional character in either TV, movies, if you have a geek fandom, anything like that. So Kiri and Nicole, you can each pick one. I might need a minute. <laughs> I love it. It's really good, but I, but I need a minute. I don't know, I'm, I'm gonna pick the narrator and I'm going to dedicate it to um, Beth Harmon from The Queen's Gambit, one of my favorite shows of this past year. Um, Cause she's just such a badass. And, you know, she goes into this just like crazily male dominated field where she's told that she is never going to make it. And she's talked down to and just like treated so badly and she just slays. So. I think that's awesome. Oh, I love that one. Good choice. Yeah, that's good. Um, I genuinely don't know if I can answer this question because I'm having a hard time thinking of um, fictional characters that I like because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's okay. I won't put you on the spot. <laughs> so I kind of want to hear from y'all. What all is coming up for Early Riser? What are some things y'all want to do next as a band? Play a show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all super excited for the record to be out. And um, after that, yeah, I we just want to like be in a room together again, I think. And like 
oh my God, I would like kill to be in a dark, sweaty basement with no monitor and like sticky floor. Um, and then immediately regret that. But um, yeah, I would just love to play a show again. I know it's so crazy. Just all the like basic band stuff, you know, not having it for a year and then seeing our friends starting to tweet, like we haven't had band practice in a year. Like it's just such a part of the fabric of our lives. I think for a lot of bands, like practice is even more fun sometimes than shows. It's just like, for me, it's my social life. It's my creative life, like elements of both of those. And I just love getting in a room with people I like and working on songs and yeah, to be without that for so long uh, and without, you know, the whole social aspect of seeing all our friends at shows and singing along to their bands and just, you know, the whole community that we have here and that we build our lives around is really, really hard to, to be without that for this long. So just anything, like <laughs> any yeah. crumb of band normalcy, we'll be so happy to get back when it's time. Yeah. I'm really, really hoping we get to that. I hate the words herd immunity by like the fall or winter kind of thing to where we can all at least be able to see each other to some capacity, be able to at least have a band practice. <laughs> yeah, I know. And like the fact that there weren't even outdoor shows last summer, which I know that was like the right choice. They didn't know yet, like how and whether it spread outdoors, but that was just hard. I went to one show last year um, I mean, like after lockdown and it was a front bottom show in New Jersey. It was a, a drive-in show and oh, yeah. it wasn't that fun. <laughs> like, you know, it's, so, you're like hundreds of feet back from the stage. The monitor that was like back there wasn't on for half the show. So it was like super oh. quiet. And then eventually it came on, you're in the car, it's raining. Like you can't really hear the stage, but you hear the drunk people in the car next to you singing off key louder than you hear the music. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I got to see a band live, but this is not what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be up in the front. I want to be singing along. I want to be dancing. I want to be in the crowd. Like that's what where it's at for me. I miss that so much. Me too. Yeah. I think I went to like a DIY show in January of 2020, like at least one or two before like this became a thing. And then that was it. And it's weird to think it's been over a year since I've been to any kind of show and the, the we're getting closer to getting an idea of when we could go to our next show, but like, it still feels so far, doesn't it? Yeah. And like so far, like health wise, but even emotionally, I know it's going to be so much to like feel comfortable in a room with people again, um, mm -hmm. even if it's like totally safe and like learning how to socialize again. I think like, Something that we don't have in this life that we did before is acquaintances and like this community of people that, you know, we just saw every now and then and, and keeping those conversations going. And um, I don't like, I, I will need to relearn how to talk to people again that I haven't seen in a long time. Whereas right now I like really only have the people in my life that I've worked hard to keep in my life. So um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of hurdles, I think, but I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I'm very much nervous about the idea of talking to people in yeah. public again. Um, I don't know why. I mean, I'm, I'm generally introverted. So if anything, I'm kind of like, and I have to kind of kick myself mentally out of the nest before the pandemic to talk to people um, and just be like, just talk. And then I can kind of go from there, but like, it's going to probably be even harder going back in. Cause it's been a year since I've had to do that probably it'll be a year and a half, at least by the time we get to start to have this kind of interactions again. I'm like, how do I people? How do I talk? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's hard. And like, I've barely seen any of my friends, um, yeah. even outdoors or anything. And I think a lot of the time I felt hesitant to meet up with people, like not because of safety, because if we're just outdoors in the park, it's whatever. But like, because I don't know what we're going to talk about right now right like and I've had friends say like oh I met up with my friend and we're both really depressed and it just kind of sucked and made me feel worse <laughs> so it's yeah. like I feel weird putting myself out there socially if I feel like I don't have anything to contribute and it's hard when we're all just having a hard time nothing is happening 
like there's nothing to catch up on. We just follow each other's Instagram stories. So we know what everyone is doing. Like there's Mm -hmm. nothing to catch up on any little thing that they did. We've already seen it. So it's just, it's hard without the world moving ahead the way it normally does to socialize also because activities like I'm a very activity-based person Mm -hmm. more than just like meeting up with someone and talking I want to be doing something whether it's just seeing people at shows or um yeah just like going somewhere and doing something together going to museum or anything like just Mm -hmm. things that uh that have not been optioned for a year yeah well I'm looking forward to a world where there can be activities, especially hopefully going to an early riser show at some point, because I miss seeing y'all live. It's always so much fun. And the energy I always get off of it is just that, like I talked about earlier, the rainbow in the ear kind of feeling, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. Well, thank, thank you. you both for hanging out and talking so much about everything going on with early riser and um, you as well. Um, tell me where can everybody keep up with early riser on the internet and find all your music? Uh, yeah, you can find us on all the social platforms. Um, on Instagram, we're early riser with two extra R's, uh, and Facebook as well on Twitter. We're early riser bands. Our website is early Um, you can hear our single vocations and our music video, uh, on all of the platforms where you find that stuff and the full record will be out March 26th on AF records on uh, vinyl pre-order and digital. Awesome. All right, everybody, please be sure to get a hold of vocations. It's an awesome record and early riser is awesome. So please be sure to support them. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank so much. you. This was awesome. early riser thank you so much to heidi for setting up our reunion and to carrie and nicole for joining be sure to stream vocations and grab a copy from early risers Bandcamp or af records that's it for this week but you can always keep up with angry girl music of the indie rock persuasion online find episodes links articles and more at angrygirlmusic.com get in touch with me through email at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com or on twitter and instagram at at angrygirlmusic If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, reach out and let's chat about what you're working on. Pledge your support for Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion on Patreon at patreon.com slash angrygirlmusic. 
Special thanks to our monthly patrons, Molly O'Malley, Kendra Mamula, Carly Commando, John Kitsy, Kitzmiller, Henderson Cole, and Erica Fries. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay angry and find what is positive and affirming for you. Bye for now. Get me.